book of Genesis. Book of Genesis. We're going to go to chapter 18. Chapter 18. And before we do, though, I want to apologize yet again for forgetting to dismiss the children. I'm so thankful that they just knew. It's time to go to children's church. If you are a child among us who would like to go to children's church, I know that Miss Brianna will be happy to take you if you did not make it with the train. Um, and, and that's my fault. I apologize. We're going to go to the book of Genesis. We're going to be in chapter 18. It'll be on the screen behind me. Um, you can read along with us, or you can just let the word of God wash over you. We hear now the word of the Lord as it comes to us through the book of Genesis. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great tree of Marim. While, while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and then you may all wash your feet and rest under the tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sahas of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and they set before them. While they ate, he stood near them under the tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did. You did laugh. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. Before we jump right into our sermon, I've got to grab my iPad I forgot to charge it last night, so it's been over here charging the whole time. I want to give thanks um, to Brittany. Um, if you're wondering, like, oh, I think I've seen her before. She has led worship for our youth ministry the past couple of years, and she's helped out and worship with our, helped with our worship team. Her and her friend Micah are students at the University of Mobile, and so we are so thankful for them being with us. And Brittany hasn't been with us because she was um, studying abroad in Italy all last semester. And so we are jealous, but glad that you are back. We're glad that you are back with us and so grateful for you. And, and on this Martin Luther King weekend, um, it was fun for me when I, we realized um, Christine was going to be out of town and we realized that a lot of our band is on the youth retreat. I was like, I'll play, I'll play guitar. So I'm so, it's, it's a fun, peaceful morning, a chance to be in fellowship together. I give thanks to God for all that we have already experienced and for the word that has been read and now that we will here proclaimed. So will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. 
And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right. See, the only problem with playing music on Sunday morning is you got like chords everywhere. And so I'm still resituating. We are in the third week of our series called The Art of Neighboring, where we're looking at what does it mean um, to be a neighbor? So in our first week, that's what we, we asked, who is our neighbor? Who are the people to whom we need to be neighboring? But also, what does it mean to be a neighbor? Last week, Sheila helped us think about what does it mean to serve? How are we serving our neighbor? What does it mean to go out and to be servants of the gospel? Because oftentimes we say, you know, we need to serve this, but what does that actually look like and mean? Um, This week, today, I want us to talk about radical hospitality. You might've heard that term before. It's said in a lot of church settings or even in a lot of business practices, radical hospitality. But let's look at what the Bible has to say about this and what does it mean for us as a church, okay? So, I want to begin with a story from a book called The Orthodox Heretic. It's a, a, story, it's a book full of, of parables, and I've just been really enjoying them. There's 33 in there, and they're just different stories. And, and there's one that starts like this. There's a priest who is beloved by his community. He, um, he served at a really old cathedral church in the middle of a downtown area. It was not one of those that still had tons of people going to it on Sunday mornings, but everybody knew this building. Everybody knew this priest. And they all just, he was a beloved person in the community. Everyone knew they could go to him for help, for aid. They knew that the church was gonna be there for them. He was known to go out of his way to help others. One day, somebody knocked on the door as he was finishing up his work for the day. He opened the door and there stood a demon. A demon stood at the door. And the demon said, will you welcome me in? And the priest said, of course, come in. Everyone is welcome in here. He's welcome in. So the demon goes into the, the cathedral, goes into the sanctuary, starts tearing stuff down and knocking over candle holders. And he starts, you know, making a mess and he's just spitting venom and just, you know, it's just terrible scene, this, this wicked scene. And he said, um, I'm hungry. Will you give me something to eat? The priest said, of course, sure. Yeah, I, I will give you something to eat. Here you go. T- take it and you, can, and you can just hang out here. Rest if you want. It's cold outside. And so the demon just kept on making a mess and the priest just went about his business. And then the priest was getting ready to go. He put his coat on and the demon asked him, so where are you going? And he said, well, it's time for me to go home. You know, I'm tired. It's time. And, and the demon said, well, I have nowhere to sleep tonight. Can I come with you? And he said, sure, you're welcome to come with me. Please come and so they journeyed across the street you know, to his house. It was right there near the church. And the demon went inside with him. And he said, I'm thirsty. Can, can you give me something to drink? And the priest said, sure, I'd love to. Here, here's something to drink. Enjoy it. If you want more, just let me know. And he said, I have nowhere to lay. Can, can I use your bed? And the priest said, sure, you know, please use my, use my bed. Use my bed. Lay here if you would like. Sleep here. I will sleep on the couch. And then the last thing, he said, well, I have one, one more request of you. I have one more request of you. The demon said, will you let me into your heart? And the priest said, sure. You are welcome in my heart. My heart is for you. And the demon at that was so shocked and was so startled that he turned and left because he truly had nothing he could take from the priest because everything the priest had, he gave freely to the other. This is a, a story, a, a parable that has deep meaning. It might mean something different for you, but when I hear that story, it challenges the way in which I understand hospitality. A, a demon is obviously, you know, the, the pinnacle of enemy. You know, if we think of who are your friends, who are, in our Christian mindset, demon is like the opposite of friend. 
And this story, it questions about what does it mean to, to welcome in somebody who is very different from you, to be hospitable to somebody who is a stranger. And it challenges me to ask, you know, are my terms of hospitality conditional? I want us to think about that as we start this morning. When you extend favor, hospitality, grace to somebody else, do you expect something in return? The message of the gospel and the thing we say all the time about Christ is Christ gives grace freely. When we come to this table later on, it is a free gift to you that God gives of himself. But when I think about the way in which I often give of myself or try to do something nice for somebody, there's always in the back of my mind a little, you know, are they gonna do something nice for me? Or is this gonna help me? Sometimes when I think about hospitality, I wanna extend hospitality to people of influence so they'll remember me later on. I wanna extend hospitality and kindness to somebody who might be able to offer me something that I don't have. Um, You know, I think that's typically the way we lean when it comes to the idea of giving of ourselves. But this story, this parable, it opens up this, this priest expected nothing in return. He welcomed this person into his home and did not say, I'll give you bread if you don't make a mess, if you'll stop making a mess. He didn't say, you can have a drink of water if you, just, if you, if you act a certain way, if you dress a certain way when you're here. If you behave a certain way, then you can be part of our, my home. Our gospel lesson today offers us a very similar story of hospitality. As we heard from Genesis chapter 18, we have a story of radical hospitality shown by Abraham. The Bible says that the Lord appeared to Abraham while he was hanging out under some shade trees. And right after that, it says that Abraham looked up and he saw three men standing by. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. Let's just unpack that for, for one second. That's such a preacher thing to say, right? Let's unpack that. Let's, let's, you know, let's think about this though, for real. It says, the Lord appeared to Abraham and Abraham looked up and there are three men standing there. And it's a kind of confusing thing to read. So is the Lord these three men? Is are these three men representing God? Are they angels? Are they God and God's self? We, we believe the only full human experience of God was in through the person of Jesus as a human. So if these three men are God, are they not actually human? Are they some sort of God beings? It's really kind of confusing. The text is not very clear. Christian scholars tend to think maybe this is a, an Old Testament reference to the Trinity. Three people, Holy Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Because there's not a lot, the word Trinity is not in the Bible at all. Didn't know if you knew that or not, but it's not. We, we've gotten this concept of Trinity from reading things in the New Testament and some things in the Old Testament. And some people think, well, this might be how the Jewish people understood God as three persons, but it's not entirely clear. But what we do know is Abraham sees these people and welcomes them in. Complete strangers that kind of show up out of nowhere. I kind of thought first time I was thinking, well, did Abraham just kind of make these people up? Is he dreaming? But then it says Sarah knew they were there too. Because Sarah made them some bread. Sarah got them a place to stay, you know. And then Sarah heard them speaking. Because one of them said, oh, that's your wife Sarah over there. Yeah, well, next time we're here in one year, she's gonna have a baby. She's gonna have a boy. And Sarah laughed at that. Because I don't know if you remember before in this story, Abraham was promised to be the father of a great nation, have all his descendants, and Sarah couldn't bear a child. And so he had a child through her servant, Hagar, named Ishmael. 
And then they went away and, and still Sarah was left without children. And so there's this random group of three people whom Abraham refers to as Lord. And one of them says, Sarah, you will have a baby in a year's time. And she laughs. And then she's kind of embarrassed about laughing because the guy's like, hey, why did you laugh? She said, I didn't laugh. What me? You know, I sneezed. I was just sneezing. You heard a sneeze. It wasn't a laugh. And he said, no, you laughed. I know you did. But is there anything too great for the Lord? That's such a, such a good, is there anything too great for the Lord? And then it says that as they're getting ready to go, they got up and Abraham walked them out and went with them as they looked down towards Sodom. The next part of the story is a little more morbid. We'll get, back, we'll get to that some other time, but it's about Sodom and Gomorrah and what happened. But at this point in the story, Abraham is experiencing strangers that just show up and he says, hey, come to my house. Hey, let me welcome you. Hey, let me get you something to eat, something to drink. Come rest before you continue on your journey. Hey, you that I've never met before, let me show you hospitality. Can anyone think of another time in the scripture where hospitality is overemphasized? Is it like a really important part? I'm not, this is kind of rhetorical. Think in your mind. You can raise your hand if you want. I can't see very well, so I won't, might not be able to call on you. But if you remember... Matthew 25, you remember what Matthew 25 is all about? Jesus said, thank you. He said to his disciples, whenever I was naked, you you gave me clothing. Whenever I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. Whenever I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And the disciples asked him, God, Lord, they said, Lord, when did we see you naked and give you something to wear? When did we see you hungry and give you something to eat? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? And he said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. When you're hospitable to the marginalized, when you're hospitable to those without, when you welcomed those who had no one, you were doing that to me. He didn't say I was with you when you did that. He didn't say I was with them when you did that. He said I was them. When you did that to them, you did that unto me. The Bible has a lot to say about what it means to be hospitable, about to be welcoming. It has this theme, this thread that kind of runs throughout from Genesis all the way through the New Testament, that we should welcome the stranger, that we should give room for the other, that we should say thanks to God for the opportunity to give what we have. And to me, the radical part about hospitality is not just what you give, but to whom we are hospitable. That's what I hear in these stories. That's what I hear in this Matthew 25 text, in this Genesis, and in this parable we told. I think often we think of hospitality as what can we give, but I think the center of it for us from this text is to whom can we give it? To whom can we welcome? To whom can we extend grace and love? I'm gonna be honest, friends, I think about this a lot. This is a really kind of theological thing to think about. But it's every day we all experience an opportunity to show hospitality, to extend grace and welcome. Every day I fail at doing it. Whether it's a coworker who I know might just need somebody to talk to them, even though they talk a lot and they talk all the time. Actually, I'm probably that person, let's be honest. But, but there's a chance for me to sit and hear their story. Perhaps there's a need for a child in your school, in your, chi- in your children's school. And you're like, I-, I feel like I can 
get to know those people and maybe help them through this. There's every day a chance to offer hospitality. And when we think about radical hospitality, it's not just what can we do, it's to whom can we be hospitable. I think radical hospitality is one of the fundamental things to being a Christ follower. But you wanna hear the irony of all ironies? One of the biggest ironies of our religion is that radical hospitality, it's tenant in scripture, it's something we know we should do. But the number one reason people give for not going to church is that they do not feel welcome when they're here. Doesn't that just like break your heart and kind of blow your mind? Maybe it doesn't surprise you because maybe you've been to a church where you didn't feel welcomed. Maybe you've experienced church. Maybe you've been harmed by church in the past because they saw you as different. They were not hospitable. They were not welcoming. It breaks my heart every time I hear somebody say, yeah, we came to Dauphin Way, but nobody, we didn't feel welcome there. I mean, to me, that's just like a gut punch as a pastor and as a Christian to hear somebody say, you know, we, we liked worship, but we just didn't feel welcome there. We didn't experience hospitality. They probably didn't say we didn't experience hospitality, but I have heard people tell me. It just, we didn't feel welcome at times. Because here's the thing, I know each of you, almost every single person in this room, and I know that you are welcoming and that we are welcoming, that we love each other. But how often do we go out of our way to be hospitable and welcoming while while you're here at church? Like if this is our home, our church home, this is God's house and this is where we take refuge, should we not also be going out of our way to be hospitable to every single person who walks through these doors? To let people know that they are loved, that we are glad that they are here. To let people know that that this is a place where they can feel safe. I hope if you're a guest today, if you hear me say nothing else, hear me say this, we are glad you are here. You are welcome here and you are so loved. We might not have met yet, but I love you. People in this room love you and we want to get to know you. And there's some things I think church we can do to be better at being radically hospitable. And I chose this sermon for this day because I knew on Martin Luther King weekend, some people might be traveling, but those who'd be here w- would allow me a little grace to get practical for a minute. Oftentimes people tell me about my sermons, they're not practical enough. You, you just tell stories the whole time and that's just kind of who I am. But I'm actually gonna be really practical for the rest of the sermon. Just for a few minutes, I wanna get very, very practical about how we as a church can be better at being radically hospitable to anybody who comes to worship here. I think as a Christ follower, all of us should worship We should grow and we should serve. You should be in worship like you're at now. You should grow by being in a Bible study or a small group or Sunday school and you should serve. And oftentimes we think of serving by being able to partner with local communities. We have wonderful service opportunities through Raise the Roof, through Society of St. Stephen's, through our jail ministry. Those are ways that we can serve. But there's a chance for you to serve every Sunday morning. Every week that you're here, you can serve by being hospitable. And there's chances you can, there's ways you can do that, you know, plugging into a system. We have teams of ushers. You saw the people coming down collecting baskets. We need more greeters. If you came in that back door today, you likely did not get greeted. And I'm sorry. We need to be better about that. I need to be better about that. If you feel a call in your heart to do something more to plug into this church, please. Austin Bradford is desperate for people to help us serve, to greet, to have ushers, to serve communion. There's a way you can do that. You can sign up and just, there's a connection card in your bulletin. I mean, in your attendance pad, there are some in the welcome center. Please join us in these teams. Those are technical ways you can do it. But each of us have an opportunity to do it, even if we're not ready to plug into a team. If you're not ready to plug into a team, but you know what, I need to be more hospitable or I want us to be a culture of hospitality. I have five ways 
Five things we can do that will allow us to create a culture of hospitality. So here's the thing. Systems like volunteers through greeting and usher, those create you know, the ways in which there's sustainable things we can do to not make sure worship happens. Without those, worship wouldn't happen. But those don't create the culture. When somebody comes in and says, I didn't feel welcome, it's because we have a culture that did not help them feel welcome. So here's the five things we can do. And this is so weird for me to do this because I never do like the one, two, three, four, five. But five things we can do that will create a culture of hospitality that will help us be a church that no one leaves this room saying, I did not feel welcome. Are you ready? All right, so the first one is this, notice. You need to notice people that are new. And I think we always assume somebody else does that. Somebody else will see somebody who's new. But notice people that are new and notice things about the church that don't feel super welcoming. If, you've, if you're new here, give us some feedback. I'll take an email, you can call me, we can go to coffee. You'd be like, this is why I didn't feel welcome. This is something that I think we, our church would benefit from. Notice things about our church. Take ownership. This is not just the pastor's church. This is not at all the pastor's church. This is because, you know, I've only been here for 18 months. Some of you have been here for 80 years. Notice things, take ownership. Say, you know what, I want to have, I want other people to feel what I feel about Dauphin Way. The next thing is this, personal attention. Give your own self to the task of making somebody else feel welcome. Introduce somebody, introduce yourself to somebody you do not know. And here's an easy way to do this. You can ask them, how long have you been going to Dauphin Way? Not, are you new here? Because that's intimidating, right? I know that a lot of you say, well, I don't want to introduce because I don't, they might've been here a long time. We've never met. Just say, hey, how long have you been going to church here? Oh yeah, me and my family, we've been here for a few years. Get to know somebody that you do not already know. Take personal attention and getting to help people feel welcome. Oftentimes, if you meet somebody, if you go talk to somebody you don't know, they probably are a guest. They've probably only been here once or a few times, and they are just waiting for somebody to say, we are glad that you are here. The next thing is this, excellent follow-through. I think the thing I was guilty enough, the, guilty of the most when I go to church is during the greeting time, I say hey to people, but that would be it, right? How many of you do in the past in the piece, like, hey, how are you? I don't know your name, but I'm going to the next person. All right, hey, how are you? Right, it's a little embarrassing. You don't want to own it in that moment. But here's what I would encourage you to do. If you meet somebody, if you've asked them how long you've gone to Dauphin Way, or, you know, introduce them to somebody else around you. Introduce them to somebody you're there with, whether it's a spouse or a friend. Introduce them to this person sitting in front of you. Introduce them so that they feel make, like they're making connections and getting to know people. And then tell us about it. You can send me an email or a text or say, hey, I met this new person. I hope you can reach out to them. Because we want to make sure we get to talk to everybody who comes to let them know that we are thankful they are here. The next thing is this. Next rule, a 10-foot rule. All right, this is how we make it real practical, real easy. Brianna, 10 feet around you, you are responsible for those people, okay? You, you get to make sure that you know who they are, that you've met them, that you know their names, and that you say, we are glad that you're here. Everybody now has this part of their own process. When you come to, when you come to worship, I hope that you have a 10-foot rule, all right? You will be responsible for welcoming, looking out for, meeting the people within a 10-foot radius. It's real simple. And the last thing is this. The three-minute rule, three minutes. Instead of just coming in, sitting down, and just waiting for worship to start, instead of just leaving after communion has been offered and before the benediction, I, I can see y'all, by the way, when you leave early. I'm looking that way. But I, gotta be, I did it. My family, when we were growing up, we always did that. We left. So I encourage you to stay the whole service, but if you, have, you need to get on, I understand. But if you can, 
Stay three minutes after worship and talk to other people. Talk to somebody you barely know, somebody you've never met, somebody that you've met, but you wanna know more. Spend three minutes before worship and after worship meeting people. If all of us embody these things, we will create a culture where everybody feels welcome. Where this church, we will be able to make sure that our neighborhood, those who come into this space, have a home. That's part of what it means to be a neighbor, right? You help others feel at home. You welcome them. You help them feel at peace. And my goal, my hope for us in 2019 and and on forward is that every single time somebody comes to Dauphin Way, every time somebody comes into this door, they they will feel welcome. They will feel loved. They will know the grace of the Lord. And it'll be because of you. Not just because of people who are paid to be here, but whose people, because this is your home. This is where you experience God. This is where your family worships. I, I hope that you take seriously this covenant you've made as a member of this church or even as a person who regularly attends this church to say, I want everybody else to feel the love I felt here. I want everybody else to experience Christ, the love of Christ as I have experienced it. So that's my practical sermon for us today, right? We, 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 we saw in the scripture, we heard these stories of radical hospitality And here's a very tangible way. I try my best to be as tangible as possible that we can all live this out. And I I pray that we will be a church that does this together. Will you pray with me as we prepare to come to the Lord's table? Gracious and loving God, forgive us when we have failed to be a neighbor to those in need. Forgive us when we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us when we, we have been self-absorbed and not seen the other person, the person who is hurting, the person who is lonely. Help us to be more like you. Free us for joyful obedience to you, Jesus Christ, our Lord. All honor and glory is yours now and forever. Amen. At this time, I'm gonna invite our communion stewards forward.